from KDNK Community Access Radio in Carbondale, Colorado, in the United States, this is program number 27 of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. When blind people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted friends. We don't see beautiful mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to identify and even create experiences that are more meaningful for us and our sighted traveling companions. Frequently, as people lose their eyesight, they become more and more isolated. The goal of this program is not only literally to empower people to go around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. Blind rangers from people who are visually impaired and contact lenses and glasses no longer allow them to lead a normal life to people like me who are totally blind. And to sighted parents who have a blind child, to blind parents who have sighted children, and blind parents with blind children, and people of all ages, interests, and physical abilities. On today's program, what it was like being blind during the truckers' convoy in Ottawa, Canada. How little screens can make a big difference in your life how to eat with silverware, and tips on making eating in restaurants more fun. On January 28th, a new way of protesting began. Truckers upset with Canada's requirements that truckers coming into or returning to Canada from the United States must be vaccinated for COVID-19. Began blocking traffic in Canada's capital city, Ottawa's Parliament Hill. It was a nuisance for most people and devastating for businesses that were forced to close for weeks. But it was even an additional problem for people who are blind. And since copycat demonstrations almost immediately began in Australia, New Zealand, France, and the Netherlands, it won't be long before we have to deal with similar demonstrations where we live. Ottawa's demonstrations began with semis, other trucks, motorhomes, and cars frequently parked bumper to bumper, tooting their horns day and night until a judge eventually issued an injunction to their tooting. But they still continued to run their engines 24 hours a day, which are especially noisy and disorienting when parked next to curb. I went with a friend, and I don't think I could have gone by myself. There's with the trucks idling and last weekend they were still honking their horns repeatedly and often and so there's really no way to hear 
hear what the traffic is doing to cross roads safely. Add to that, some roads are blocked off, some roads aren't, some roads are down to one lane of traffic and some aren't, and it's very hard to tell which ones are what. So knowing when to expect traffic to be coming and, and not was also very difficult. Dr. Kate Riccamini from the Canadian National Institute for the Blind Foundation. For people who have been downtown this entire time, they've had even more difficulty because buses currently aren't running to the area. Uh, services like Uber uh, haven't necessarily been able to come pick people up in the area, uh, especially during the weekends when there are more people here. Uh, Paratranspo, I think, is also, which is our you know, paratransit service, have also had trouble picking people up. So that means that anyone trying to go to appointments or get deliveries or, you know, go to work, any of those things that people do every day uh, has been limited uh, for someone, you know, for someone with sight loss, that's even worse because can't necessarily take a bus or an Uber, but can't necessarily walk safely either. Uh, so essentially people have been sort of stuck in their homes Kim Kilpatrick lives in the middle of where the demonstrations took place. She said her guide dog did well, but sometimes couldn't hear her commands. She said some other guide dog handlers weren't so lucky. It is also kind of disorienting to be around all those motors. If you're walking along and all you hear is that, you know, you can't hear other things. So you could get a bit disoriented and walk maybe into an open space that you, you wouldn't normally walk into. And um, because they were staying in their trucks and sleeping in their trucks, there would be a lot of stuff on the sidewalk. Also, when the motors were running all the time, you wouldn't hear when people were approaching you. So you couldn't know, you know if someone was getting close to you or walking past you or even, you know, it was a bit scary to think, am I going past? place where there could be it could be dangerous for me or you know I could have a confrontation so that was um, that was not so good finally Kim says prepare if similar demonstrations are going to be taking place near you if it starts to look like something like this might happen where you are make sure that you have you know supplies in in case you don't feel comfortable going out uh, you might want to have earplugs, <laughs> perhaps, or, or noise-canceling headphones. Um, and if you really feel unsafe, maybe think of places where you might be able to be. Um, for example, if your service dog or if a family member or your kids or you are really affected by the noise, uh, fumes, or worried about your safety, think of maybe is there a place away from the protest pit where you could stay. Quite simply, says Dr. Riccamini, protesting for freedom from mandate has taken away our freedom to move about our city. Artin Kudian and James Prenger helped us with the sounds from the truck convoy. Siri Bancolcha and Corrine MacArthur also helped with this story. And it was suggested by Tactile Traveler listener George Dutch. You're listening to the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world. 
and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. If you're visually impaired, you can be less impaired by learning to take advantage of all the things the screens on your smartphones and tablets can be used to improve your life. One of the people who really takes advantage of screen technology is the tactile traveler's Jason Struther. As a journalist, I travel a lot professionally as, as well as personally. I've been to around 30 countries uh, during my career. Well, I, I'm technically legally blind, and this is kind of a nebulous term. I have low vision. I'm, I'm kind of in the, the nether world of vision loss. I'm somewhere you know, in between having you know, quote-unquote normal vision and being blind. I can get around without using a cane or a guide dog. I don't have a lot of issues when it comes to mobility, getting from point A to point B. Uh, but along the way, uh, especially when trying to take in visual data, that's complicated. So reading signage, reading menus, or, you know, reading any kind of printed material. So what I do is if I am, if I need to get some visual information, you know, off of a street sign, off of a, an airport arrivals or departures, a screen, I'll take out my phone from my pocket and open up the camera. And then through the camera lens, I can then zoom into that departures board at the airport or look at the street sign or look at you know, any other sort of visual information that's at a distance. It's really helpful. To make reading things even easier, Jason changes the colors of what he's trying to read. So I use an iPhone, but I believe this function exists on most smartphones is a color inversion and Apple has Apple products have a couple different color inversion features so that I, I use what what they say is I call it a classic invert so if you have a so let's say if you're you know for example you're looking at your email normally it would be a, a white background with dark text but for me that creates too much glare and it, it, it's not comfortable to read so I, using a, a shortcut on my phone, I flip the color scheme so it becomes a black background with white text. So it completely removes the glare, and that makes it so much easier for me to read printed material. Jason sometimes uses an additional technique to make reading signs even easier. Sometimes if I'm trying to read a bus timetable or, or some sort of other, you know, a departure board in an airport, for instance, Standing there, holding up my phone in front of me, holding it out, pointing it toward whatever this visual data is, not so convenient. It can be a little shaky. So something else I do is just take a picture of the schedule or the screen, and then it's m more convenient for me than to just look at the image and zoom in on that or change colors if I need to. Sometimes that works best. Miles Bucanas. A 21-year-old art major at Colorado State University is legally blind as a result of albinism. And I'm on the far spectrum of that. So I believe there's six or eight different levels of albinism, the most mild being uh, just a light, uh, light lack of pigmentation in the eyes, so you would still have dark hair, dark skin, everything else. 
but my particular condition of albinism is on the other end of the spectrum, which is a complete lack of pigment, which makes my hair and skin white and pale and my, my eyes are quite pink. Miles says his smartphone is an important part of his being able to be an art major. Definitely. We have about, in my drawing classes and my art classes, we typically have about four projects a semester, at which point near the end we'll have to do a four-hour discussion about each person's work, a, a critique. And at that point when we were expected to get close, close looks at people's art, I almost always use my phone or one of my other visual devices to get a closer look. I really like the phone though because of the quality of image, the color, and just the versatility because when I use scopes, I have to hold my head a certain way or hold my hand a certain way. And then the field of view is very, very narrow. But when I use my phone, I can just take a picture and then pick my, my, my field of view. In addition to helping Miles in art classes, he uses his smartphone to look at and capture scenery and to help him in restaurants. The iPhones actually come pre-installed with an app that you can set to your quick screen so it's not hard to get to. And it's simply a magnifying glass with only a few options. There's a flashlight option, a zoom option, and a freeze frame option. So... I use that all the time to see things close, near and far, because I can't, I can't read things in either situation a lot of the time. Miles says the advantage of using freeze frames over taking pictures is that you don't get a bunch of pictures that you need to delete from your phone. Freeze frame is accessible through magnifier. Magnifier is accessible through controls on an iPhone or Apple tablet. If you have trouble setting up Freeze Frame, call Apple Accessibility Tech Support for free at 877-204-3930. That's 877-204-3930. Lorraine Hutchinson helped with this story. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. About a third of the world eats with silverware. About a third of the world eats with chopsticks. And the other third of the world eats other ways. Occupational therapists are medical professionals that help people learn or relearn functions of daily life that may or may not necessarily be job-related. Carolyn Markson-Sinensen is a legally blind occupational therapist at the Vision Rehabilitation Center of the Oregon Science and Health University. KCI Institute, Portland, Oregon. She helps other people who are visually impaired learn to use tools like magnifiers that will help them live with vision loss. Today, she's helping our listeners learn 
how to use silverware. It's a lot more complicated than eating with chopsticks. In most homes and informal restaurants, you'll probably be given just a fork, knife, and spoon, and maybe a bigger soup spoon. At an upscale restaurant or banquet room, like at a wedding or convention, the table setting could be either formal or informal, which will be way more formal than just a knife, fork, and spoon or two. Knowing whether it's formal or informal will give you information about which silverware pieces and how the table will be set up. With a formal place setting, there's usually more pieces of silverware at, and dishes at the place setting. With plate being in the middle and typically your napkin on top of that. And the silverware is set out from left to right on the plate, on the left and the right sides of the plate. With from the left to the right side, on the left side of the plate is the salad fork and the dinner fork. And then you have your plate. And then on the right side, left to right, you have your dinner knife and your soup spoon. And then about 10 o'clock, uh, relation to the plate is the bread plate and bread knife. And then at 12 o'clock, you're going to have your dessert fork and your dessert spoon. And at 2 o'clock, you'll have your water glass and your wine glass. An informal place setting will be very similar but have less piece silverware and dinnerware at the table. The silverware may be rolled up in a napkin and placed on the plate in front of you, or it may be set out next to the plate, uh, with the dinner fork being on the left and the knife and the soup spoon being on the right-hand side and the water glass and the wine glass at 2 o'clock. In choosing utensils, from either the left or right side of the plate, go from the outside towards the plate. Now, Catherine explains how to use those forks, knives, and spoons. Spoon is held like a pencil, uh, typically in the right hand, if you're right-handed, with concave part of the spoon facing up. And you're going to use that to scoop the soup or the, the food and bring it to your mouth. The fork and the knife are going to be used for your main entree and the fork also for your your salad. And the knife is held and used for cutting, cutting a piece of meat or, or some part of your vegetables. Um, it's going to be held with your pointer finger on top with the blade facing down and the, the handle of the knife in the palm of your hand with the rest of your fingers wrapping around it. And then you're going to use it in back and forth motion on the cut it. The fork is going to be used to help hold that piece of food in place. So that's going to be held with your left hand and with the tines facing down to hold that piece of piece of food in place while your knife is cutting it. And for those of us with low vision, we're able to help use that fork to help kind of guide and determine the size of the piece that you're cutting. So starting from the edge, you kind of move it a little bit and then cut your slice and then move it a little bit more and cut your slice. If you use chopsticks, you're used to eating small pieces of food already cut in the manageable sizes. When you use silverware, you'll have to cut your food in the bite-sized pieces. Catherine says if you're right-handed, put your fork in your left hand and into the piece of food you want to cut. 
Then with the knife in your right hand, move the knife back and forth along the back of the fork to cut your food. Then put the fork back into your right hand to eat the food. Dining American style, you will put your knife down on the edge of just resting on your plate at 12 o'clock and you will switch the fork to your right hand where you'll then use that to to stab and pick up your piece of, of meat and put it in your mouth. On the other hand, if you're dining European style, you will just, you will keep your knife in your hand and you'll just rotate, stab your piece of meat with your fork and then rotate your wrist up and put it in your mouth. Catherine says when you're through eating, there is some etiquette for eating at restaurants to alert the server to when you are done eating. And typically, you place your utensils on your plate right next to each other with the handles pointing towards the 5 o'clock position on the plate. Even though silverware may sound confusing, stick with it and in no time, you'll soon be able to wolf down massive amounts of food while barely tasting it. I didn't know that glasses usually are at 2 o'clock and at my table mate's two o'clock position. Now I know where to look for the glasses and move them to the center of the table where they're out of the way. And I won't be knocking over wine glasses on the lady sitting next to me. Again. She was very nice. She said it was white wine and she'll get the stain out of her dress. Lorraine Hutchinson, Richard Ruda, and Huffa Dean helped with this story. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. Now that you know how to use silverware, we thought it would be appropriate to rerun a story by Lydia Eckert on how to make using that silverware in restaurants more fun. Make sure your server knows you're blind in case you need special help, like reading the menu and knowing where the food is. When you're pouring things like salad dressing, mustard, and ketchup, like on hamburgers and french fries, pour it over one of your fingers to see how much you use. When you're looking for things like water and wine glasses, put your arms out in front of you on these sides where your food is and slowly bring your hands together. Then you feel the glasses without knocking them over or knocking them off the table. Thank you, Lydia. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. It's my talking scale, reminding us that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please let us know by sending an email to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. We spell traveler the American way with one L. We'd also like to hear your story ideas from all over the world. Send us an email with story ideas in the subject line at 
thetactiletraveler at gmail.com. If you'd like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwriting in the subject line at thetactiletraveler at gmail.com. Transcripts of this program are available for our deaf listeners by searching The Tactile Traveler in any search engine. This program is also being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and in additional states. It's also available by typing The Tactile Traveler into any search engine where you get podcasts and by asking your smart speaker to play the podcast The Tactile Traveler. We'd like to thank the following organizations and people who helped make today's program possible. Be My Eyes Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support, Apple Accessibility Tech Support, Leslie Steffens, Lorraine Hutchinson, Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, and Debbie O'Leary, Lucas Turner, and Raleigh Burley. This has been the Tactile Traveler. Empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. This has been a production of KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale, Colorado.